Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for this opportunity to do something that I hold in high regard is to stand and to represent you to the best of my ability to my brothers and sisters and those who are online. I pray that you will bless these words. And may I represent you to the fullest. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's been a while since I've been up here to lead you all. And I'm excited for this opportunity. And I'm honored, you know, that Pastor and Miss Diane trust me to be a leader here. Um, before we get going, I want to publicly acknowledge our very young sound guy back there. His name is Parker. Y'all give Parker a hand. I'm always a person who loves to learn. You know, I don't want to go to the shallow end. Just throw me in the deep end and just let me just go for it. And Parker jumped right in, followed Doug, did a lot of cool things. Oh, thanks, son. Now I have two. I don't know if you're trying to say to me, but it's okay. Um, but Parker, thank you very much for being with us, sir. I appreciate your time um, diving in even this morning. So let's give Parker one more hand, please. So before I start this morning, I want to acknowledge the season that we're in. Um, tomorrow is the 4th of July, and we, as a nation, receive the opportunity to celebrate the, the freedom that we have in this country. You may have noticed that the songs that were chosen this morning kind of talked about that freedom, and I am, I am truly blessed to be in this country as a man who has traveled over 20 different countries with my wife and in my studies, I lived in the Dominican Republic for three years. There's no other place I would rather live, I promise you. Um, I mean, through the ups and downs of our country's history, sure. But this is still a place that I know that I am destined to navigate. This is a place where I am truly proud to call home. Um, and I start that way because my sermon has nothing to do with the 4th of July. <laughs> So I wanted to do my due diligence and acknowledge where we are. We have families who are out and about going to celebrate with each other, food, and my wife and I are headed to Kalamazoo right after this. Um, so there's something to celebrate. But as I begin, I mean, you know me well. I, I lean on the Holy Spirit more than what, oh, it's 4th of July. I have to preach about that. No, that's not how that works. You sit in your private time, and the Lord begins to tell you what he wants you to speak about. So this morning, I have my message is called God of My Purpose and Process. Let me repeat. God of My Purpose and Process. This was not written to be a motivational speech. I've learned from my pastor that um, you can YouTube or Google people if you want a motivational speech. This morning, I will be motivational but the foundation of that motivation would be spiritually sounded um, information. Now, during the month of June, I began to study purpose and destiny. I don't know why all of a sudden, about a month ago, I, I began to question, was I on the right path where God wanted me to be for my destiny, right? Um, I've learned quickly a lot of people don't think like that. Um, I've learned that... Some people take day by day, some people take it by year. Some people may only think of transitions 
on December 31st at 11.59 p.m. before the New Year come. See, but I think differently because I've always been motivated by one thing. And the one thing is when Jesus crashed the sky or when I take my final breath, that his first sentence that comes out of his mouth is, well done, my good and faithful servant. And to be found right in his eyes. The only way in my mind that I can hear that sentence is I make sure that this life that I have, which the Bible calls it a vapor, that it is under strict direction of what I believe, my convictions. I don't live life randomly. I just don't randomly go on vacation without praying should we go to that vacation. I don't just randomly spend money anymore, thank you, Alice, without praying for is this the right thing and being okay with God's direction. If you claim to be a Christian in the house today, you are also claiming that you will allow him to be the God of your future, the God of your calling, a God of your purpose, the God of your promise, and the process that gets you there. The problem with some of us today, my good brothers and sisters, is we try to be the captain of our own ship, the masters of our own fate. And the problem with that, even if you have a calling, when you step in, you may mess up that calling, that purpose, that direction. So I wanted to make sure that I was not only leading my family to the right direction, but I wanted to make sure that my personal story and mission was aligned with the purpose that God had for me. One of my friends from Amazing Grace, she posted on Facebook the other day, what do you want to be remembered for? And I responded to her, a man who died with his mission complete. As I began to dive into the topic through my devotions of purpose, the Lord quickly shifted my attention to not only my purpose, but the process of getting me to the places that he has shown me. Simply put, he wanted to be the God of my purpose and the God of my process. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. This is God speaking. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning and from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From the far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about what I have planned, that I will do. I start off by that way because you remember those scriptures that we've always heard, that he knew us even in our mother's womb, right? So even when I was in my mom's womb, he knew the purpose that I would have. He knew the destiny that I was supposed to walk on this earth. I'm not, you've heard me say this several times. If I was supposed to be in the 1800s, I would have been there. If I was supposed to navigate this life in the 60s, I would have been there. But I'm supposed to be 42 in 2022, and sometimes we just think this is happenstance, right? Oh, God has flipped the coin, and I'm here. No. There's a purpose for your every breath. And do you know it? And if you do, and the process of getting you there has stifened 
I believe today the Lord said it's time to reconnect. Oh, Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you a future and a hope. All right. It, I don't know about y'all. You know, I'm only 42. I, I don't know um, everything about God yet. I don't know if I ever will, actually. But I'm trying to. He shows me a lot of final products, right, in prayer and so I've seen some of the final products I'm supposed to be. I, you know, the promised land, the calling. That was the easy part. I've seen myself as Dr. Glenn already. When I tell y'all the process has been fun. This summer, I, I'm supposed to be Dr. Glenn by the end of this summer. And the last four, thank you, thank you. And the last four years, you can ask my family, has been a roller coaster. I mean, you can ask the praise team. Before I started that venture, we were practicing a lot more than we are now because my academic schedule, the process to getting to where I saw myself has been difficult. See, we trust God with the vision. We trust God with the calling. Hey, a pastor told me I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be a a leading singer up here. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that, right? So we see the purpose, and we get excited about the purpose. We get excited about the vision. But when the process begins, that's when we have beef with God. I want what you showed me yesterday in prayer, and I want it now. You know those type of people, those fast food Christians who kind of want to pull up to God and say, hey, I got $5.99. What you got for me, Lord? He don't work like that. I got to write a song like that. My God is not a fast food God. Sometimes he shows up in miracles, right? He shows up and he shows you exactly what he wants you to have the very, very next day. But in my 42 years of experience, it is not the case. I am convinced that if he would have given me my purpose at the age of 21 when I just start seeing it, I would have destroyed it. If he would give you your miracle right away, if, if he gives you your husband or wife right away, you may destroy that person, that relationship, that house, that thing, that business, that ministry. Sometimes he wants us to go through a process to tear off some of those fleshy things to get us ready for the purpose, ready for the calling. But no one wanted to talk about that. People just want to look at people like T.D. Jakes and say, oh, look what he had. I got that anointing. People want to just look at, you know, Pastor and Miss Diane like, oh, I got that anointing. I should be able to lead a church tomorrow. They've been doing this for over 20 years. And some of us think when the Lord shows us these things, we should have it the next day. I'm telling you, that's not the way the Lord works. If he is going to be the God of your vision, the God of your destiny, you have to allow him to be the God of your process. I remember my promises. At the age of 22, I left my home and moved to CMU, and I started to go to the Potter's House in Mount Pleasant. And I began to dive into you know, my, my Christian relationship moved away from what my parents were to now it was me and God. 
then all of a sudden I started hearing these promises, my future. Um, I was called Wonder Boy. That people will wonder how I am in some of the places that I am without the right education, the right connects. The Lord showed me that I will be in places People around me would say, how did he get here? And God said, don't ask the question. I'm going to put you in positions and places where no one else can put you except for me. And then he called me a world changer. He showed me visions of being in a huge auditorium and preaching to thousands of people. He showed me that I would write two books. He said to me that I would sit at the table of policy and change, that I would travel the world and meet with kings and queens. God told me I'm going to meet with kings and queens. I'm getting my passport ready. I'm going to take all my money out the bank, and I'm going to leave my family, and I'm going to jump on a plane, and I'm going to South Africa tomorrow. No. See, the easy part is when you all of a sudden put yourself in the presence of God, he begins to show you what you're supposed to do. Think of the the bush that is on fire, Moses, um, his destiny is off. He is somewhere away from home, 40 years, and he walks up to this bush, and God began to speak to him and tell him what his destiny is all of a sudden. That was the easy part. The next part was like, I got to talk to Pharaoh? And if if my scripture is right, he almost ran from it. I, I, I can't do that, Lord. I believe in the vision that I'm supposed to help your people get free, but are you sure it's me? See, God has given a lot of you purpose. If, he, if you think that your purpose is done, that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. So I'm assuming that in your prayer time, he has shown you glimpses of where you need to be. Maybe as a parent. Maybe as a business owner, maybe as a writer of poetry, maybe as a writer of music, maybe as starting your own farm company, maybe as um, doing this or doing that. He's giving you vision. Step two is trusting the process. But if you don't allow him to take you through the process, the vision is gone. I believe God even today will will reestablish some of your visions and your calling. Is it me or y'all really quiet this morning? Are y'all hungry or something? Hmm. Let's talk about David, right? I love David, one of my favorite people in the Bible. And as I'm listening to the Lord, he shows David to me. David, close to the age of 15, was anointed by prophet Samuel to become king over all Israel. At the age of 15. It was another king in position. See, the problem sometimes with us is the Lord shows us things, and because we're supposed to be a pastor, you know, now we think, okay, God said I'm supposed to be a pastor, but Pastor Rick is in position, so I'm going to do all I can to get him out because I'm supposed to be here. At 15, the brother wasn't looking for this. He was out chilling with his sheep. He was called to a meeting, and in that meeting, God showed him his future. You're supposed to be king of all of this, all of Israel. Y'all know he probably smelled like sheep. 
So at 15, listen, 1 Samuel 16 and 13. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That day forward, the presence of God fell upon him. And the Bible said it never left him. So right there, the vision was set. The calling was set. David, at the age of 15, was told he was supposed to be king. After he was anointed to become one of the greatest kings in human history, biblical history and regular man history. David is known as one of the greatest kings of all time. David went, a couple, you know, he had to go through a couple things first. Let me read you some. He was anointed to be king, and then right after that, he went back to being a shepherd boy. God shows up in your life, and I say, I see you're supposed to have a ministry. But then the next day, you go back to your regular job. So some of us, we question God, right? He went back to being a shepherd boy. And then he became the armor bearer of King Saul, who he was anointed to replace. Ooh, man, that's a test out of a test right there, that process right there, though. Think about that for a second. <laughs> no, we ain't going to go that. We're not going to that. The armor bearer means that you're there with the king. And this is after he was also playing music for the king to help drive out evil spirits from the king. He dealt with his big brothers doubting him publicly. Who are you to come here and say that you're going to kill the giant? Go back home to the sheep. But then he kills the giant. He deals with King Saul's resentment. He deals with military battles and wars. Then he deals with the death of King Saul. And then soon after, he becomes King David at the age of 30. 15 years of process. Would y'all wait that long? At 15 years old, he was told he was supposed to be king. All his brothers are there, the handsome tall ones, right? All right, the pick of the litter, God chose me. God chose me to be king. And 15 years of process, and then he becomes the king. 2 Samuel 5, 3 through 4. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed King David over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for an additional 40 years. It is so important that we persevere to the end. You mean to tell me that David didn't want to give up being the armor bearer of the person that he's supposed to replace? When his brothers told him that he can't win against the giant? When he was told he was going to be a king, but he had to go back to the smelly sheep? Probably still had to fight bears off, had to fight lions off. And the whole time he knew he was supposed to be a king, sometimes resentment comes. I dealt with some of that in my life. After receiving some of the promises, the Lord called me world changers and wonder boy, and I'm expecting that everyone in the church world should know that. <laughs> what do you mean clean the bathrooms? I'm wonder boy. I'm a world changer. What are you, I, I remember constantly being invited to speak at churches or doing weddings and doing all these other things. And literally not receiving praise for anything and being like, how, how dare they? They don't know who I am. And thank God for my wife, man. She is quick, humble pie, so quick. She'll be like, oh, really? 
Is that God or is that you? And thank God for pastor. He's, he, I've given him the permission to be very, very raw with me. And he constantly reminds me that I need to allow God to remain the God of my process. Because I got in the plan. You know what? Sometimes we can get caught up in the weeds of planning the future that God has told us when God wants us to worry about today only. One of my old pastors, Pastor Ron Ives in Mount Pleasant, he told me sometimes doing that, it's like driving in a truck, driving down the street with your binoculars on, trying to make decisions in the present while you're looking so far down the future. What's going to happen to your truck in the present? You're going to crash. David waited for 15 years, and God didn't tell him that number. In 15 years, bro, you're going to be king finally. No. The children of Israel saw beautiful things and had to walk in the wilderness for 40 years because how they handled their process. And some of them, the way they handled it, they lost the promise. So don't give me this, oh, God promises, and, you know, the Bible says that no man can separate me. Okay, you can separate yourself from that promise. How we navigate the promises, oh, I'm sorry, how we navigate the purpose is almost more important than receiving the promise. Because he doesn't want you to be crumbled by your mandate when you get there. So through the trials and tribulations, right, pastor taught us about how pure gold is made. He talked about how it has to go through severe heat. And then the impurities of the gold floats to the top, and you, I think he called it dross, and you had to scrape the dross off, then it goes back into the heat. Some of y'all want to be pure gold, but none of y'all like the heat. I'm telling you, the way that God handles the promises, you got to go through the process to get the promise. It should be more amens in this church. Y'all look like y'all upset with me. God told me to preach on this, so highlight your boy this morning when you pray again. The process is as important as the promise. Who I am today as a man of God is completely different than 21-year-old me. Some of my thinking had to change. I had to find ways to fully trust him in faith. I'm going to get in here later. I was a spoiled Christian. My mother-in-law did not understand it. It was a season in my life where literally after one season was stopped, the door would fly open Literally, like, before the next, and I would just walk in. My mother was always like, what is going on? How are you? I'm like, mm-mm. Then all of a sudden, after getting married, after getting my master's, we moved to Minneapolis, and I have no worry in the world because God opens up doors anytime I need them. We get there, nothing flies open. And I begin to question everything. God, where are you? And blah, blah, blah. And God was like, really? Is that easy to forget me in the process? We have to persevere until the end. Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Somebody say persevere. Somebody say persevere. You have to be people of perseverance, Right? And the disease sweeps the land and we lose our perseverance. Somebody gets selected we don't like and we lose our perseverance. 
Something happens with one of our bills and we lose our perseverance. One conversation with the doctor and we lose our perseverance. And God is saying, I am still the God of your purpose even when you need to persevere. Even through the trials and tribulations. Even in the stormy times, I'm still here. Do you understand? Uh, Alice, forgive me, I don't know if we're 12 years or 13 years about to be married. The marriage has been way better now than it was in the beginning because in the process, we're becoming the people that we really need to be for each other. Right? And I remember John and Audrey are very, very close to it and dear heart. And I don't know if you know them. They're all lovey-dovey. Like, 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 right? So, so we were over at their house one day. And um, me and Alice were, I think, I don't know, one, two years married in. And we were just like, we want to be like you. How? They both looked at us and was like, keep on staying married. And they told us it wasn't like this in the beginning. But it's like that now. So me and Alice are on our way, Williams. <laughs> we are on our way. Because you have to persevere. And for some of you who have reached your promise, you're not supposed to take your foot off the gas. Because when you get your promise, trials and tribulations are still going to come. Keep on reading about David. When he became king after 15 years, family members tried to kill him. People in here doing crazy stuff. He ended up seeing somebody's wife trying to get her. I'm telling you, it gets crazy. But the world still remembers him as one of the greatest kings of all time because even in the mistakes through the process, he continued to allow God be the God of his process. I like Acts 13 and 36 since we're talking about David. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried, his ancestors and his body decay. And that's how I started this whole thing. What success for me is dying with my mission complete. Serving God's purpose for yourself. Seeing that vision of what he told you, that calling for who you are, and then pursuing it to the end. Saints, we need to last till the end. We need to have faith till the end. What's the end? normal breath in your lungs. Oh, I got my degree. I'm done. No. To the end. Oh, I finally got that position that I wanted. To the end. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the calling according to his purpose. For me, some of my promises were given at the age of 21. Some while at CMU from the ages of 22 to 25. And again, at 30, you may have heard this story before. Before Alice and I got married, I was living with Jeff and Denise, around 30 years old, finishing up my master's. And every single morning, I got to say this publicly, um, Jeff was a great example of a man of God is. Not was, sorry, brother. Um, every morning, I would get up. And Jeff would be in his lazy boy seat next to his fire pit, and, and he would have his coffee, his robe on, and his Bible out. Every morning when I thought I would be him up early, Jeff was sitting there with the Word of God. Every single time I woke up. Um, so thank you for that example there. Um, my father did the same, so it's cool to see you do that. 
But at the age of 30, I'm in Jeff's house. I'm going through my regular routine of my devotion. You may have heard the story before. I go down to his kitchen. I sit down, open up my devotion. All of a sudden, it felt like time stopped. And imagine, you know, we've seen some movies where like a fly is flying, all of a sudden it stops. And it's like, time stops. And I felt heaven open, and God began to speak to me. And at first, I was like, what is happening? And he's talking to me, talking. And then he stops and says, you might want to write this down. <laughs> Jeff had some type of stationery here. I grabbed it, and I began to just, it felt like minutes. It was almost an hour. Today, I'm 42. Several of those promises haven't come to fruition yet. And the question remains, when I allow God to create and direct the journey to those promises or where I begin to dictate my future, becoming the master of my own fate and captain of my own soul. On the pursuit of my purpose, Alice and I had a house we were promised taken away. We lost income, navigated life without health insurance for the whole family. Mentors and close friends turned on me. My back went straight out after I got married, and I was bedridden for a long period of time in excruciating pain. I was turned down for promotion after promotion, job after job, dealt with depression over weight insecurities and racial isolation, was told I would have to live with type 2 diabetes for the rest of my life. But through it all, I said, but through it all, through this entire process, thank God that he remained the God of my process. May I get amen? amen. See, the promise never changed in all of those events that I told you. The calling never changed. The, 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 the purpose for me to preach never changed. The, the purpose for my destiny at Central Michigan never changed, even though things were closed in my face, even though we lost things, even though we are dealing continuously even today with things. But God is the God not only of my purpose. He's the God of my process. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying that we have been perfect at this journey. Mistakes were made, some things were lost, but I believe that God is a God of restoration. One of my favorite parts of Psalm 23 and 3 is he restores my soul. I am convinced of it today that those things that I may have lost on the journey to my purpose, those things that should remain, I'm convinced that God, the restorative God, will give those things back to me and my family. Oh, but I have lost so many things trusting in God. You haven't lost anything. God will continue to restore. Oh, but I've, you know, during this process, I've, I've you know, I'm dealing with more anxiety. I'm dealing with this. I, you know, my family member has gone astray. I believe, I don't know about you, people of faith, that God is a God of restoration. I don't care what it seems like in the natural. I write things that I want to see. I pray for things that I want to see. And I believe that he will restore even my soul. On this journey, I have, yeah, listen, I'm, you know, I, talk, I talk about my mistakes all the time. I don't care. It's all good. On this journey, a lot of you know me. I've been, I've been doing good with my eating, sometimes bad, good with my eating. And because of that, there's some things I have lost, but God has shared with me that my obedience will bring me to restoration. 
he restores my soul. Sometimes the journey will be easy. Sometimes the journey will be difficult. God navigated me through, catch this, teaching middle school, being an intern here, getting my master's, marrying Alice, having kids, working full-time here at the church, and now working at CMU. But through it all, I had to remember to learn to trust God at every corner. But God, I'm not making enough. But God, this. But God, that. When is my promise going to happen? My first communication of that was 21. I'm 42. So when people bring me gloomsday stories of the world crumbling, I laugh because I know there's so many things God showed me I was going to be that ain't happening yet. Oh, my gosh. Everything is crumbling around us. The judge is this. The president this. And I'm looking at them like, and? God, the creator of all, came to Jeff's house, opened the heavens, and spoke to me futures that haven't happened yet. I don't care what happens outside. I don't care what happens in the world. Because God of my process is going to prepare me for my future, for my purpose, no matter what happens outside these doors. Can I get an amen? I'm convinced of it to the core. To the core. My boss walked in my office and she said, I need you in this meeting. I need you to make decisions for the whole conference. Not just CMU, at the whole conference. And I went, okay. It's not a, I'm not afraid of that. Because he told me he would have me at the table of policy and change. He told me that at 21. This happens to be happening 21 years later. Okay, guess what? I must be prepared for it now. And not doing it 21 years later and posting it. Mm-hmm. I was asked to come into the office. I was asked to be the number one guy. Process teaches you to stop talking. Process teaches you that it was God who moved the mountain and not you. On the pursuit of everything that Alice and I have made we choose to allow God to be the captain of our ship. One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 3, 5, or 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's so important to me on every levels of life and parenting, leading at work, dealing with health. Um, when you lean onto your own understanding, you have literally just limited your life your own understanding. And then some of us, we have to stop letting our lives be dictated by somebody else's understanding. If you, I remember I called my dad once and I said, hey, I think the Lord is telling me to move to the Dominican Republic. What do you think? My dad said, why you ask me what I think? If God told you, yes. You checking in with God, he's telling you to do stuff, and then now you leave the creator of all to go and ask a human. That don't make sense. Pastor would go, earth, earth. It's, it's so important to understand that we should not lean on our own understanding. 
Write your dreams down. Write your, uh, listen, I'm in the practice of always writing who I am, right? What I'm supposed to be. You walk in my office, it's already on my board. It says Dr. Jonathan Glenn. On my board, it already says Dean Glenn. On my board, it already says University President Glenn. It's already on there. I see it. But it's God's decision on how to get there. Do you think I've been offered some awesome jobs on the way to what I see myself from being? All right? Florida Gulf Coast, um, you know, had, you know, um, you know, like a, um, an assistant dean position, all ready to go, ready to move me and my family. And I'm looking at this money going, yes, Lord, this is you. And the Lord is like, no, this is not the process I've called for you. Stop. Cease and desist. Stay at CMU. And I was like, oh, fine. Sure. Months later, I get the call from athletics, paying me almost the same amount, even more, with a better package to stay in the place where God wants me to stay. Because when we try to dictate our own moves, it may be good, but now you're off the mark. One bad move can take you years from a, away from accomplishing your promise. That's why Jake is so important, the conversations of what's next after graduation. It's important, right? It's important that we understand that God wants us to check in with him. So where are you on your journey this morning? Are you receiving your promise? Are you in the season of process? Have you received the promise already? No matter where you are, God wants to be the God of your purpose and process. Will you let him? Jeremiah 29, 11, once again, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, and give you a future and a hope. For the last month or so, pastor has been preaching about families. And as I was writing this sermon, God spoke to me and said, it's important that our kids see us navigate the process very well. Because if we don't allow our children to know that God is with us in the process, in the low times, what happens is that we create a thought process in them that God is only God when things are great. You don't want to create a Santa Claus God for your kids. Because then all of a sudden, when the world hits, because <laughs> it's going to hit, we automatically think that God is not there. And God goes, well, hey, I'm right here. So it's important for me to have conversations with my son about, hey, I didn't get the job I thought I was going to get. But we still trust in God. Hey, Dad, how was your doctor's appointment? Hey, you know, some things they got to work on, but we trust in God. We're on our way. All right? We've openly talked about the process of finding a house with our kids because we want them to hear the faith talk. Mom and dad talking about our dream home. Mom and dad talking about things. We want our kids to be able to hear us pray and hear us talk about those times. And hear my wife say, you know what, work wasn't that good today, but I was able to be a light. We need to have these conversations around our students, around our kids, so they are not oblivious that God should be the God of the process. I'm reminded about the memory stones. You know, that God told Joshua to create because they just went through 40 years in the wilderness and people kept on forgetting the immense, awesome um, miracles that God kept on doing. So when Moses passed away, Joshua took over and they crossed the River Jordan. Um, he had him create memory stones. And the stories to the younger generation was, when you see these stones, remember when God moved. Oh, but we're dealing with the Philistines. We're losing that war. But do you remember when God moved? 
See, I love talking about when God moved in my life. Remember I told you I was bedridden the last time I checked? I'm standing preaching in front of you now. Remember I told you about all those jobs and promotions that I lost? I'm on my way, I'm telling you now. When I told you about all the trials and tribulations, in a couple months, everybody's going to have to call me Dr. Glenn. Have you heard that yet? I'm telling you that you must continue to allow God to be the writer of the car, even in the process of getting you to the purpose that he has shown you. I'm talking to several people today, several people online, that you need to sit down and reestablish those visions because maybe you jumped off of it because of trial and tribulation, maybe a loss of, um, loss of a loved one, or maybe just uh, you know, the whole world stuff going on right now, and it's taking you off your vision, off your calling. I'm telling you, God wants you to know, reestablish him in your life. That vision, write it down, put it on the refrigerator, put it on your bathroom. It, listen, it doesn't matter. Your kids may say, Mom, you're weird. Yes, we're weird. All right? For some reason, people with faith in 2022 are weird. So I, I would be the weirdest in the room. I'm a man of faith. I believe things I don't see. My students think I'm crazy. I had a student walk in my office She's a graduating gymnast, champion. She's excellent. And she said to my office, and she begins to cry. I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm great on the mat, but I want to be a doctor. I believe I'm supposed to be a doctor. I don't think I'm good enough. And I got up. I said, who told you that? <laughs> I probably scared the crap out of her. Who told you that you're not smart enough to be a doctor? I said, listen, the discipline that you had to have for your body to do all those flips and not stop and break your neck that I would, it's the same discipline that you can use becoming a servant leader as a doctor. All of a sudden, her disposition began to change. She began to smile. She left my office believing she could be a doctor. It is time for y'all to allow God to do that to you. I don't know. I'm supposed to be a business owner. I'm almost bankrupt. Who told you you was going to be bankrupt? <laughs> you, have to, <laughs> you have to allow people in your life who speak like this around you. You have to allow those weird people that are always mad and they're worrisome all the time. Stop hanging out with them. Because although you think you're making them better, you're, it's not happening. You're acting like them. May people look at the glens and say, there's some crazy stuff going on, but y'all still smiling. Yes, because the God of who I'm supposed to be tomorrow is the God who's here with me today right now. I have four steps for you if you're the type of person who like to write things down. Step one, you need to establish your purpose. This is a godly conversation. We're, you know, some of us are blessed to have mentors, and, but it, this needs to be something given to you by the Lord. And they need to write it down. What is your destiny? What is your purpose? What is your calling? That's step one. Knowing who you're supposed to be. I told you this whole conversation, me and Deanna this morning we're talking about, this for some reason lately we've been, what is my destiny, Lord? I thought I knew it. Never assume you know anything. My dad has taught me always check in back with the Lord. Always check in. He may switch something. He may, he may lead you this direction. You know, have you ever just driven home sometimes and you felt turn left instead of right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads you differently. You got to check in every day. 
But step one is establishing your purpose. Step two, surrender the purpose to God. So when you hear the calling, when you see the vision, when you have the purpose and you feel like you have the promise, the promised land, all right, I'm supposed to leave Egypt as a slave and I'm supposed to have this land of milk and honey. I need to give that to God. I surrender that to you, Lord. I surrender the direction. I give you it all. I promise not to complain in the wilderness. I promise to believe you even if my body feels like it's breaking down. I promise to give you my thoughts. I promise to um, um, leave the naysayers on the side. I promise that in this journey of this wilderness that I will surrender all to you. That's step two. Step three, don't allow the world to dictate your journey or belief. Right? There's a lot of false narratives in the world today. And it's so close to the truth. If you don't know the Lord, you will believe stuff you shouldn't be believing. It's not just pastor preaching from here or me preaching from here or listening to Stephen Deanne on our, our YouTube channel. It's, it's about your daily life. We're bombarded with half-truths. And some of us are mean Christians, not mean, mean, M-E-M-E. We see a meme and it's truth. Ooh, Lord, yes, I knew it. I knew that meme. Was, we don't know who wrote the meme. We don't know if it's based in truth, but we believe the meme. You have to know the Lord so much in 2022 that when these false narratives cross your way, you know what's truth and you know what's not. Don't be a meme Christian, please. Be a Holy Bible Christian. Number four, last one. When you receive the promise, continue to give God everything. Maybe it was something about me at 21. Maybe something about me even after I got my master's. I wasn't ready for that title yet. I probably would have felt too awesome about it. Maybe I I meant to be a doctor at 42, because maybe at 30, I would have liked it too much. I would have liked that title too much. But now at 42, I know I am not where I am today without God. I know even with a title change, maybe a little more money, I'm only here because of God. The God of my process has put me in places that I don't deserve. The God of my process have put me as Daniel in Babylon, as me at CMU, presidents calling me, vice presidents in meetings. I have the meetings with the dean of students here soon. These, this stuff doesn't happen on my own. I'm Jonathan Glenn from Saginaw, Michigan. I'm, I'm one of many. Why me? Because I had a calling and I had a purpose and I allowed God to get me there, not on my own. Let me end with this story. Raise your hand if you heard a quest. Awesome. So Pastor Randy, time for water, give him a second. I just got married. Um, just graduated my master's. Pastor Randy sent me to Quest in um, Texas. By myself, it was 22 of us there, and 
it was one of the greatest encounters with the Lord that I've ever had in my life. On the bus back to Dallas, so I can go to my hotel and fly home, I'm looking out the window, and I'm just sitting, and I, at that moment, I had applied for John Hopkins, I applied for New Mexico State and Arizona State for a PhD program in Native American history. I was pretty much guaranteed at John Hopkins because one of my mentors was setting it all up. I was about to be Dr. Glenn at the time I was 30 and a PhD in history. That was where I decided that my promise was going to be. And that's where I was going. I'm sitting in my chair, I'm looking out, and as clear as day, people talking on the bus, y'all, they're loud, music blasting. I heard God speak to me, and he said, the path that you are pursuing for your life is not what I have for you. And I'm looking out, and I heard it, and I was like, nah, that can't be you. You told me I'm supposed to be a doctor, and this is it. Okay, but it wouldn't leave me. It wouldn't leave me. I still applied. Got rejected by all three. It's like, maybe they didn't see my grades. Rejected. We moved to Minneapolis. I applied for over 30 colleges there. Rejected by every single one. God wasn't playing about my purpose, was he? At 30, 12 years later, I'm finally about to get what he has deemed right in a title as doctor. And I tell you that story because I thought it was gone forever. I really did. And four years ago, someone brought it to me, and I felt the Lord go, now. Right? But I wanted it at 30. I wanted it so bad. And the crazy thing about God is this one, I'm not even paying for it. <laughs> Think about that for a second. I'm not paying for this one. I would have been so much in debt if I would have pursued. I would have been off. I would have been in Texas. Lord knows I would have been hot. I would have been in the wrong place. And he knew that after a short stint in Minneapolis, it was meant for me to come back here to lead worship, to be one of the ministers, to be one of the leaders at CMU. And if I would have allowed myself to push that doctor title on me, I would have been in Texas. I probably would have been successful, but I would not have died with my mission complete. Close your eyes with me, please. Father God, we thank you so much that you are our God of the purpose. Every single person in this room has a purpose. And I pray that, that they will know what that purpose is. Can we have our prayer team come up, please? And Lord, we pray that in this journey of our purpose and getting us to the place where you have called us to be, we pray that we trust you and lean not on our own understanding.
Father, I know this world needs people who are walking in their promise. This world needs teenagers in high school to be walking in their promise. Lord, we need educators in this country walking in their promise. Father, we need government officials in this country to be walking in their promise. We pray that as we navigate this world that we have, that we will continue to be the Christians, not on paper only, but those who pursue you and the callings that you have on our life and that pursuit, that process, that you will be the Lord over that too. I have the prayer team up here because I know how hard it is to find out what that purpose is. And if you are a person in the house today and we're going to do a salvation prayer here soon and then we're going to end, but they're going to stay up here just a little bit. It's important to figure out step one first. What is your purpose? My purpose is to be a mom, okay? There's more to that. My purpose is just to, to be a business owner. Okay, there's more to that. It's important to check in with God to find out what that purpose is. They are up here. If you are a person, you know, there's no judgment zone. If you're in this person, if you are in here this morning, if you want prayer um, so God can reveal to you what that calling, what that purpose, that vision is for your life, please come up and have one of our members pray for you. I'm actually, can, can we all stand, please? So again, if you need prayer this morning to figure out step one, maybe you know what that is, and we all need to do better at allowing God to be the God of our process. They're up here to help pray for you on that too. But at this time, I want to talk about salvation. Everything that I've talked about today is linked to having a relationship with God, our Father, through his precious son, Jesus Christ. If you're already saint in the room, if you can pray and have your language, it's an important time for us this morning. If you are in the house today and you would say to me, Jonathan, I don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. With all heads bowed, I want you to raise your hand, and I just want, we're all going to say a prayer together. We're not going to embarrass you, but to receive a purpose from God, it's important to have a relationship with God. Is there anyone in the room right now where all the heads bowed, with your hand in the air, to say, yes, Jonathan, I would like to pray this prayer with you. Okay, without seeing any hands, I'm going to say if there's any believers in the house who would say, yes, I need to rededicate my life today. This process has been difficult. I feel like I'm off my path and I want to reestablish my relationship. Step one, so I can move on to where I need to be. If that is you, please raise your hand. All right, I see several hands. Thank you. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me, please. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I am a sinner, but you die for me. Jesus Christ, come into my life. 
Be my Lord and Savior. Take control of my life from this day forward. And thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. So everyone look at me. For those who may have said it online or those who said it in the room, reestablishing or for the first time, the Bible tells us that heaven celebrates right now as your name is being written in the book of life. But our prayer team is going to stay up here for a few minutes. And please be people who think of destiny. Please be people who thinks of your purpose. Don't allow your life to be a random decision every single day. Be person of vision, a person who allows God to not only show you that vision, but allow you to get there. If you need prayer for that, they will be up here. I wish you nothing but prayers and blessings to you and your family as you celebrate this weekend. Some of you need the rest. I know I do. Um, and continue to pray for the health of my wife as she um, navigates this life, you know, you know, as a woman carrying three children. Um, they in there moving. They definitely love their daddy already. <laughs> but I call you blessed. I hope that my words this morning didn't feel like a browbeating conversation. God doesn't create anyone without purpose. I don't care what city you're from, what color you are, how you grew up, how much money you make. Every single person in this room with a breath in their lungs has a purpose. And it's imperative in 2022 you find out what that is and they begin to pursue it with God as your covering. I call you blessed. You'll have a good weekend.